0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Really great to be with you all again. Um, I'm really delighted to welcome um, my dear friend uh, Andy Moore to the show today. Um, Andy is um, a podcaster and a writer, author, um, all that kind of stuff um, and he's a great guy. and I'm looking forward to sharing uh, this interview with you. So welcome Andy.
1: Thanks James, it's really good to be with
0: you. Um, yeah Andy and I have known each other quite a while, I, I can't even remember how we first encountered each other, I think it was probably Twitter, um, but um, Andy does a lot of great stuff um, for, um, actually you know what, I'm going to let him introduce himself, What? Tell, tell us a bit about the work you do and what your kind of focus and your passions are.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think it was Twitter. I think it was uh, in the kind of earlier days when Twitter wasn't such a <laughs> mean-spirited place.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I run a, a website. Well, a couple of websites for um, people who I've kind of drilled down to be uh, what I call gentle rebels. So, like introverted and highly sensitive people who have kind of uh, a creative uh, impulse. Like running in them um, and just sort of helping people kind of navigate like what that looks like for them you know how they're kind of best suited to, to function in the world and the, the things that might overwhelm them and uh, kind of pull them back from being essentially the best of themselves I suppose but, you know bringing that to the world and and making it uh, a better and more gentle and nicer kind of place for. For them and for the people around them and for everybody in the in the grand scheme of things, I suppose.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. That's awesome. I mean it is I've seen a lot of your work and um it's really, really important work because not many people are talking about this subject. Um and you know, I'm an introvert and a highly sensitive person myself. Um and yeah, I mean some of the resources that you've created, um are really really important and you know it's something that people need to be more aware of um you know that that what it's like to be an introvert and what it's like to be highly sensitive and mm. um, that it's not something that we choose or it's not being a drama queen and it's uh, you know and it's just how our brains work um so so tell us kind of a bit about your own kind of story and your own journey into that that work
1: yeah, well I suppose um, I mean I've I've always since being a kid and since being, you know, into performing and like I've you know, I've always made music and, and that kind of thing since I was very young. Like I I think I was about three when I'd get all the pots and pans out, and I'd play the drums, like uh, drums is my first love you know, like musically and awesome. and I was always that I, I was always had this kind of tension in me that I loved making music I loved kind of being the center of attention when it came to playing music but I also absolutely hated being the center of attention like in any mm. respect mm. Um, and so I've always had this kind of this thing going on like beneath the surface it's like you know I feel like the thing I should want isn't actually something that I want but there's this drive within me that experiences the world, like the the creativity, the kind of beauty of it. And um, I love making stuff and and all of this kind of thing. And and then kind of as I grew up, like the kid like everyone around me would like really love socializing to the extreme. Uh, you know, there'd always be like parties and and there'd be invites and, and it'd be like, oh, this is really exciting, this is happening this weekend. And I get to the weekend, I'd be like, oh really like I've been at school all week and I really the last thing I want to be doing is spending loads of time with people and it wasn't until I was um probably about 20 like mid-20s I'd imagine um when I first came across this idea of what it what it meant to be an introvert and I'd read this um this article by Carl King called 10 myths of being an introvert and it was these 10 things that each of them was like a kind of smack around the face of thinking actually all these things I resonate with and they're all normal. And that is really odd because these are things like, you know, being quiet is, or kind of not, if I'm, you know, don't enjoy, if I don't want to spend time with people, that doesn't make me antisocial. Um, It's an energy thing and it's not a kind of binary I hate people or I like people. Um, it's kind of this this thing that started this train of like, right, it's about managing your energy. It's about managing who you are, um, like, on a – kind of the cycles through a day. So, mm. you know, you might have more social energy at the start of the day and that ebbs and flows. And then at the end of the day, it's like, no, I need to spend some time alone just to recharge and all this kind of stuff. So that began this – I guess, season of self-awareness, growing self-awareness. Um, and I uh, you know, took Myers-Briggs, came out as an INTJ, which kind of as I started to explore what that meant, it was like, uh, I don't really feel like that resonates with... Because a lot of INTJs are, are quite sort of, you know, mm. uh, traditionally sort of cold and rational, and it's it's about sort of looking at everything kind of detached from the emotion of it, um, as far as the, the kind of archetypes go. And so I was mm. like, yeah, it does make sense, but there's something missing as well. And then I've kind of seen these articles, uh, like talking about this thing called, um, you know, highly sensitive people, high sensitivity, that kind of stuff. Um, and I largely ignored them um, because I was, I was thinking, you know, sensitivity, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I've been called sensitive growing up as a child, but I'm not sure necessarily describe myself as sensitive i don't know um and then i i read one of i can't remember what it was that i read but i read an article that then um set out these these kind of the traits that elaine aron had uh kind of talked about in her the seminal book of the, the highly sensitive person and it was these things like um you know processing the world at a deeper level you know finding a lot of uh, stimulation overwhelming um like just well all these all these aspects of what it meant to be a highly sensitive and i was like it's not just about being like emotionally reactive you know which is in my head what that was the only thing that sensitive meant it meant being sort of thin skinned and and uh, just reacting to everything like like a drama queen like you said um <laughs> and you know well that might happen you know when energy's low and, and all that sort of stuff it's like no this is more than that and it's been found in like uh you know over a hundred different species it's a mm-hmm. it's a kind of survival mechanism that means that you're kind of observing things not necessarily even consciously you're a, you're 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 processing the world at a deeper level um and and that's kind of that can take its toll on your nervous system. It can, you know, drain your energy faster than the people around Mm. you. And so just kind of working through all that stuff and and thinking, you know, right. As I look at people who are are living at this fast pace, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure it's good for anybody, but like the, the world seems to just really value like everything being on all the time, being busy, being productive, being efficient, all this stuff. And it's like, I can't keep up with all of that. And, Now I have this kind of reason for that that I can see. And that has then enabled me to to think about how I can best function and how I can better function. And then uh, through the website, how I can help other people um, do the same so that we can actually go from just, you know, trying to cope with, trying to survive um, to a point where we're actually, you know, thriving we're actually doing the stuff that that we want to be doing and that that matters to us and um we're able to do that in a way that kind of maintains a a more balanced sense of of energy um even though that might mean that we have to kind of look a bit different to uh other people around us
0: yeah that's so true i mean i've i've read all that research you were talking about before i've i've um I've read a lot of that as well. And yeah, I mean a hundred different species. You know.
1: Yeah. Have, so far. That's what they've so found. So far, is.
0: exactly. So far. Um, you know, it's not just a kind of airy fairy myth, you know, it's a real genuine thing. And um Yeah, it, it's interesting what you say about yeah, the being aware of things at a deeper level and processing things at a deeper level. Um that part I hadn't read before. Um, and that's fascinating, I think that, mm. you know, that um, how are, how different people's brains work, you know? And yeah. so, so, so what's kind of your perspective on this? Like, how do you kind of, how has all this learning, all this stuff helped you to kind of manage how you live in a sense, being someone who's introverted and, and highly sensitive?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, just thinking about that, the processing stuff on a deeper level thing, I just think it just came to me then when you are talking. Like, the, I think one of the things that made me realise or contextualise what that, the significance of that is, it's like I remember having conversations with people about, um, you know, art, like films or uh, music, and I, I just get completely absorbed into stuff and I will go mm. like I will take a big deep dive into you know mm. a, a film and everything around it and I'll watch it over and over again and just get completely obsessed um, and I'd, I'd have conversations with people I'd try talking about these things and being like like isn't this amazing like the beauty of this and all of that sort of stuff and they're like yeah it's all right Right? Like, no, seriously. Like, <laughs> look, this.
0: <laughs> on oh, the it, same, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And those frustrating conversations where you're like, "Just come on!" Like, this is the most amazing thing ever. Um, and and I suppose that yeah, a certain part of coming to terms with like, okay, there's only you know 20% of people are highly sensitive, so 80% of people are probably not going to necessarily be processing the same certainly the same pieces of art and whatever as me um so it's kind of like okay finding ways to to do that myself so that I don't feel like people are just kind of neglecting it or belittling it or whatever it might look like um you know if I have those convers- like I don't I don't know how to describe it but you know you know when you have that conversation with someone you're like look at this this really matters to me it's amazing mm. like and they're like yeah whatever like, that can feel quite...
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a bit... And like... so, mm.
1: like, <laughs> one of the things that's helped me with that is, um, like, journaling is a is a great help, because it just means, right, I can, at least I've got a way of processing things through writing. And, you know, if no one else cares, at least I can come back to that, and I can read about what I've thought. And, and there are people who... Uh, who I, like, I suppose have conjured relationships up with over the years who who do sort of resonate with the same kinds of uh, creative work as me as well. Um, so, yeah, those those conversations do happen every so often. But, yeah, <laughs> so I think that's the big thing. Um, in terms of, like, energy and uh, the, the kind of need for downtime and, and that kind of thing, um, I suppose over... Over the years, I suppose it's been a a case of, like, experimenting and, you know, the the trial and error thing where if I, say, for example, um, like I've done, I've had, like, three gigs over the past week and a half Um, and my sister got married last weekend. Um, So there's been a lot of of stuff going on. And um, I'm fortunate to have a job where I can... Kind of plan, really. It's it's a flexible job where I can put in that I'm going to have a day off wherever I need a day off. Um, Don't get paid, but that's Hmm. kind of uh, not the point. Um, But it means Hmm. that I can better kind of plan and manage. Right, okay. I know that this is say I did a gig Wednesday night. Um, I'm going to take Thursday off so that I can uh, you know recover. I can have downtime so that I can. Uh, go back to work Friday and then head into the weekend with the energy that I need to to do the stuff that, you know, I need to do this weekend. Um, and so I think just that's been really helpful knowing within the context of like, no, that's what I need. I can, I could try and plow on, but I know that, you know, in a week or two, I'll hit a bigger wall that will take me out for, for a longer period of time. So it's, it's just sort of, yeah, mm. managing it, on a kind of more regular basis, what do I need? Is that Brian Little, uh, Professor Brian Little, talks about restorative niches um, when he, t- he talks. He uses this term acting out of character, um, and he, when he's talking about being an introvert, and he's a he's a, um, a, a le- lecturer, professor. He's done it in his TED talk. Um, mm. it's, I don't know if you've come across it, but he mm. says. Um, he he comes onto stage and he's like exuberant, larger than life character. And then he's like, do you think I'm an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, And he's like, I bet most of you think I'm an extrovert, but actually I'm a raging introvert. I'm like extreme introvert. Um, Mm. And, but when I come on stage, this really matters to me. I'm doing, uh, when I'm teaching, I'm passionate. I love teaching people. I love talking about this stuff that I'm talking about. Um, But if you'd seen me 10 minutes ago, you'd have seen me in a, in a toilet cubicle, with my feet up on the toilet, so that no one saw that I was in there, just having some downtime before I, I came and did this, and i 'll be doing exactly the same thing when I finish teaching um, and so it 's this this idea that we can act in ways that maybe counter to like being an introvert as it appears. Um, we can mm. act extroverted for things that matter to us. But the important thing is finding those restorative niches that, you know, spending that time alone or whatever it is that he might go away and do, like he might spend the evening sort of, you know, reading a book on his own, um, like whatever that is um, for you as an individual, for me as an individual, just finding those things, identifying those things that bring us back to ourselves um, so that then we can have the energy the next time we're going after that thing that matters to us, those those. Uh, personal, uh, personal projects. He calls them. I think that
0: mm. that
1: might require us to step out of that character, that those labels. I suppose that we that we might adopt and think that, that. And you know, I've seen and experienced myself. You know that tendency to have a label and to think, oh well, I can't do that because I'm an introvert, or I can't do that because I'm a highly sensitive person. It's like, mm. well, I can do that because it matters to me, and I will make sure that i recover in the right way i I get those those proverbial big rocks in the uh the tank whatever (laughs) whatever it is
0: yeah i I know exactly what you mean because when i get talking about things that i'm passionate about and that i feel like i have some kind of knowledge of expertise in yeah um whether it's speaking an event or it's doing this podcast um or just having a conversation with somebody about something that I'm passionate about. Suddenly I have a load of energy, you know, um, because it's something I care about. And, and actually I kind of don't mind being in front of a big group of people because like there's a lot, I think, I think there's there's a huge percentage of public speakers who are introverts because, um, because, and the reason for that is that when you're an introvert, you prefer standing in front of people talking about something than actually going and engaging with a whole big bunch of people. Yeah, it's a way to talk to loads of people at the yeah. same time without actually having a conversation with them. Yeah. you know, and um, that's why I like doing Facebook Lives as well because I get to talk about things I care about and I don't have to physically meet like loads of loads of people and yeah. wear myself out. It's, you know, it's
1: very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the same with um, with music as well. Like because people often have said you know you can't be an introvert because you you perform like you do gigs and all that and and it's like well that's the for me that's the easy bit like when i'm on stage and i'm doing something that i've that i've prepared that i've done you know hundreds of times Mm. playing a song that i've really really practiced like i know it inside out that is not a problem because i get to just enjoy that moment and get immersed in the song in the music and and that's where that's kind of my happy place where i am more uncomfortable it's when i come off stage or before i take to the stage and i'm sort of you know mingling milling around in in the in the kind of group the crowd whatever um or just even going further back the logistics of like uh if i'm going to a new place especially like where am i going to park how am i gonna uh you know Mm what time do I need to get in? How am I going to eat? Like all this sort of stuff, which actually can become quite um, overstimulating if I'm not kind of like aware of, right, Andy, you've got to like <laughs> pull, it, pull this back in. Let's go through this like methodically. Right, this is the time you're going to do, do this. Let's get on Google Maps. Let's work out where you're going to park. Right, that's where you're going to park. And just do all of this mm. stuff mm. Um, to kind of alleviate that I suppose anxiety that emerges yeah, that yeah. around that, um, and yeah, and it's. I've spoken to a few, a few other musicians, and it's exactly the same for them. And and it's that, yeah, it's that managing the energy for the bits that are uncertain, the bits around the, yeah. the kind of performance.
0: That, yeah, the, yeah,
1: is the draining bit. It's not yeah. the performance itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not a musician, but that sounds so familiar. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, it's the same with public speaking, I suppose. Yeah, like you uh, Yeah. If you're delivering a talk, you know that talk, you've you've yeah. practiced it, like that's your, your well, that's almost your comfort zone in some ways, isn't
0: it? Like, yeah. I mean I remember like once last year I would I did a I did a talk to this this event and um like beforehand I was really, really anxious and like nervous and sweating and you know As soon as I get in there and I'm sitting there and I'm just talking about all this stuff, like, all of that disappeared. I was completely relaxed, felt completely calm, like, in the zone, really comfortable, really safe, confident. You know, it was just chalk and cheese, you know. And um, it's really interesting because, um, yeah, because I've seen some documentaries on people like Freddie Mercury and um, George Michael. And both of these guys were massive stage performers, you know. Freddie Mercury especially was like this big charismatic like showman on the stage. But but in their in their private life, they're really quiet. They're really sensitive um yeah. introverted people. You know, completely the opposite of what they are on the stage. Yeah. And it was it it was just it was fascinating, you know, to Think ah, I see. This is I get. I get it. I get that, yeah, totally. because when you're up on the stage and you're doing something you love and that you will know you're good at and you're confident, you're almost a whole different person, yeah. you know. And um, yeah, it's definitely true. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's probably the case with a lot of a lot of people like that that have the kind of have high highly sensitive kind of traits running through them in the way that they engage with their craft and, and the world and the, the kind of exploring the, the depths, I think, as well in in their art. And, yeah, that's so true. Like, I think you, you, when you watch those kinds of documentaries about people who you just consider to be, like, larger-than-life, exuberant characters, you think that's who they are all the time. And it's like, no, that's an expression of something that they've kind of they're kind of processing I suppose the way that they feel the world and interact with the world within them and it's their way of kind of delivering that uh, outwards I suppose um, yeah fascinating point
0: yeah um, and actually I think there's an element of being highly sensitive helps you to create great art because it helps you to be like like we are talking about before you know being in tune with stuff that's going on at a deeper level Mm. um and that allows you to communicate things on a deeper level yeah and create things that communicate on a deeper level so it shouldn't be a surprise that a lot of well-known artists whether it's musicians or writers or you know um directors or actors whatever are Mm. are highly sensitive you know yeah, and um, it, you know it, it shouldn't surprise us. Um,
1: I think there's you get a a level of synchronicity. I think as well that that kind of surges through. Like I, I feel at the moment, there's this almost this kind of need for or this this appetite for a kind of middle ground in terms of that everything's extremes at the moment, and it feels like in the world, like yeah. everybody's taking really binary extreme positions about everything um and but like I'm sort of looking around and I can see there's a few like I don't know if movements is the right word but there there are a few stirrings around of of people who I can see have a that kind of sensitive kind of pulse beating Mm. there um where it's like no this is we're not serving ourselves we're not serving any causes we're not serving humanity as a whole in any good way when we're taking these extreme views against like in in sort of you know tribalistic terms against other people and Mm. and actually a call for something much more um well much more radical in many ways but much more like humble and removing our own egos from situations and and i keep seeing these things that yeah it's like well no we actually just need to i don't know what it is but like and i think the gentle rebel thing for me it like that's the what sums it up for me when i'm hearing people talk about these things it's like no you you need to be a rebel you need to be going against the stuff that's not right in the world but you also need the gentleness you need
0: mm. to be able
1: to hold people in a kind of a gentle spirit because you're never going to influence people if you're just trying to bash them around the head um yes with your own viewpoint saying this is what's right why won't you listen why won't you change your so true. You
0: know, perspective yep. you're never going to influence people if you keep just trying to bash them around the head absolutely yes yeah. I mean i' I mean like yeah i mean i've I've been on that journey myself in the last couple of years where i've where I've moved towards a non-binary way of seeing the world you know mm. and um, yeah I've enjoyed
1: seeing it yeah it's okay.
0: it's just been it just when you when you when it finally sinks in down here as opposed to in your head, it's like this like, I remember the when I was sitting with my spiritual director and I realized that I'd actually shifted there without even knowing it. and it was like oh my gosh everything's different you know you see the world completely differently and you know it's I can't it's difficult to explain without without having without you know having experienced it and um, but suddenly it's like no you're just all you're doing is exactly the same thing that they're doing just with different language you know we need to hear each other's stories and actually stop trying to win you know Mm -hmm. we need to kind of like you can still have opinions and still have values and still have core cool beliefs and all that and that's important. But let's hear each other's stories at least, you know. Yeah. I think the whole that was whole kind of exacerbated by Brexit and Trump. You know. I yes, think that absolutely. was that was yeah. kind of a tipping point for that. I think that's what really pushed me over the edge actually. Like seeing some people seeing friends of mine who were kind of progressive, you know, um, and their reaction to what happened. Um, I kind of upset me because I thought, "Wait a minute, you know, there's there's stories behind this. This isn't as black and white as you think it is." Yeah. And that's when I started to realise that I kind of changed and shifted. That's
1: amazing, yeah. Yeah, um, I think it's it's empathy, isn't it? The the because like, I keep you know you you hear people talk uh, like in and you know people have really valid points, but the way that they're being communicated you're thinking you're just feeding the thing that you're trying to
0: mm.
1: destroy here you like the, and it reminds me of the, the kind of the the whole wily e. coyote roadrunner yeah. thing where it's like actually in some ways you need this thing that you're against to give you some sort yes. of identity some sort of significance yes. and actually the best thing to do would be to to say hold on let me just put myself in that in their shoes and to think, what could I say that would influence me in some way, and it 's probably not going to be you 're wrong uh call me a name, and like that's we 're done, you know, yeah, because yeah. all that's going to happen is i 'm going to call you a name back we 're going to think of our think of each other in really tribalistic terms, completely dehumanize each other completely ignore the stories, as you're saying, um, and just remove any sense of, mm. right, this is this is why this matters to me. This is why I think this. Um, and yeah. it's not to... I think the problem is so often people say, well, if you empathise in that way, if you try and get into the story of the other person, then what you're doing is, is you're, like, kind of legitimising that. You're giving them um, a, a reason, and you're saying, well that they they think that because of this and for some and somehow that's okay then and it's like it's not it's that's not what you're doing no
0: you're, no you're it's just like, seeking
1: to understand how you can communicate in a better way and a more yeah. kind of authentic and more vulnerable and more you know all of those all of yeah, those words exactly yeah.
0: yeah yeah and it's 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 like this there's this attitude there's this, there's this way of believing which is i have the moral high ground i'm right Therefore, because I'm morally right, I have the right to insult, attack, patronise, yeah. make fun of, you know, basically make fun of, mock um, it, yeah. anyone who disagrees with me because they are so bad, they are not worth my my time or respect. So therefore, I can treat them however I like. Yeah, and, they're stupid. And, uh, yeah, all yeah. of these things. Yeah, and the irony is that the cons- like it's conservatives who often get accused of this. Conservative people, like or with conservative beliefs, you know, but but then I see people who are kind of liberal, progressive kind of people acting in the same way, mm-hmm. like, and it, it's kind of like you don't get it. You're just a part of the problem, and you're going to make it worse if you keep on like this. One day you'll be a conservative, and there'll be other people who are more progressive than you, and you won't, you still won't get it, you know, and because that's how things move on. Um and I see it I see it in the UK um politics right now you know because it's got very tribal especially there's this whole kind of coronavirus left far left like tribe which is kind of you're gathering gathering strength and if you don't agree with them then somehow yeah. you're a fascist and it's like well you're just extreme left wing I'm not a right winger but I'm not I don't agree with you either and that makes you know I got i i I had a real laugh the other week actually because i I posted something about about this whole thing this whole stuff on um on Twitter probably ill advisedly and then I <laughs> and these people started shouting back at me and and they were all left wingers like Corbyn supporters yeah and accusing me of being a Tory and accusing me of being like um yeah, just all these horrible things, and I got and I got added to these these lists on Facebook, on Twitter. One of them was called fascists. One of them was called um, I I, I can't remember now, but Tories, fascists, whatever, you know. And it's like that. Anyone who knows me knows that that's nothing. well, like, I mean, mm. it's, it's ridiculous, you know. And it was only because I disagreed with their views. Yeah, that's all it was. I did not agree with the people who were opposed to them, I didn't agree with the the right-wing views, but I just didn't agree with them. But because I didn't yeah. agree with them, I got laid, I got bagged in with everybody else. And that's exactly the problem. You know, um, that's just... You can't just replace one binary with another. You know, right. you've got to actually start saying, OK, how can we... How can we hear each other's stories and what can we learn from each other? And how can we work together? You know, that's yeah. grown-up politics. And
1: yeah. there's not enough like, of that yeah, right now. exactly.
0: It's, it's so... <laughs> It's so tribal right now and it's just uh,
1: yeah. it's not And good. the danger with doing that is you, you actually create, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not winning, you're not going to be winning you round to their point of view. And, but by kind of like outcasting you, by putting you in that kind of like adding you to those groups and stuff, actually you're, you're almost create, you're potentially creating the thing that you are mm. like saying that you are. Um, And what you do is you just reinforce your so-called enemy. Um, Mm. And it's just such a... It just seems so backwards to me. But it's it's how a lot of politics is being engaged with at the moment and and how we... It's almost like that path of least resistance, how we're slipping into that without thinking. That's how we just default when it comes to engaging politically. There's no... Mm. There's no kind of space for actually what I think is beautiful about politics, which is a kind of plethora of different views, different values, all coming into the mixing pot and working out how to best move forward together. Um, And that kind of what politics is, the purpose of politics, purpose of democracy, is kind of being lost. And that is, I find that quite frightening. Um, Mm. And it's this idea that, one one group needs to win. They 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 need a prevailing ideology, and that is not that is not democratic politics. Um, you know, it's actually we're all everyone's different, and being different doesn't make you right, doesn't make anyone wrong, doesn't make you wrong, doesn't make others right. It just mean, means we're different, and that's what's beautiful about humanity, and it's also what's frustrating. But <laughs> it is what it is you know Mm. um and yeah i just hope that we can find a way to kind of rekindle that meaning of you know political discourse political like our, our systems and yeah just seems to be going in a quite scary direction at the moment
0: yeah it does yeah um yeah well, how did we get there? I
1: don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that was... thing
1: about um, introverts in and highly sensitive people—they uh, take discussions quite, quite deep and like. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Just proved, just demonstrated it right there. You know, this is what happens when two introverts, two sensitive people, have a conversation. Um, mm. We end up going really deep into into philosophizing about things and what things mean. But I think it's a, i actually do think it's an important topic, and um, it's something that we all need to think about. So. Um, I'm really glad we got to talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just going back to kind of the work that you do, like obviously, and you've got a podcast, um but I think you've also created a community as well, haven't you, for highly sensitive people, introverts. Um, yes. And some resources as well. So tell us a bit about those.
1: Yeah, that, I've, it was all kind of I, uh, mixed in together. I used to my blog used to be called Sheep Dressed Like Wolves. Um, dot com. And I created an offshoot sort of membership community from there to uh, as a kind of way of people getting into kind of deeper community, which was be like a, it was a paid for subscription uh, thing where I was like creating extra content and, and people could have access to a uh, it's kind of ebbed and flow between an for, uh, online forum and then a Facebook group, um, currently a Facebook group um because that's where more people kind of mm. gravitate towards so um but yeah there, eventually i reached the point where i was like i need to separate these things so i i've created it um it's called the haven um it's the hyphen haven.co um and it's yeah just a, a, a site dedicated basically to um i put out courses and uh like other resources and then put blog posts interviews all sorts of Stuff like that for essentially introverts and and highly sensitive creative types who who want to kind of not only like pat themselves on the back about being an introvert and a and a highly sensitive person, but actually uh, to to do what we've been talking about in this in this interview, like to kind of navigate the world and to work out what they need to do in order to thrive and and best kind of function as an individual. Uh, in it. So it's, yeah, kind of a supportive community where we kind of encourage one another. Um, and it's been great. I started in 2014 and it's changed a lot through the years. It's uh, very much kind of when I started, I was like, no idea what I'm doing with this. I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. But I've kind of reacted to what people have been asking about what people have been you know wanting and and I'm like really happy with where it is at the moment and like once every quarter I send out like a physical letter in the post as well um because I thought you know we get bombarded with digital content all the time and actually mm-hmm. what nicer than receiving a letter um to, to kind of yeah. you know right. get and and a couple of little extra bits that I throw into that as well um so yeah it's a it's constantly changing and and it's just fun it's really nice
0: that sounds awesome that really does um again much needed i think that that kind of community and i love the physical letters like i was actually thinking to myself the other day like nobody writes physical letters anymore you know it's it's like a lost art you know because i was watching this i was watching this movie i I think i think it's called liberal arts where these two people just write, write physical letters to each other right yeah and it's just like I don't know it's just something beautiful about that you know that um just like spending the time sitting down with a pen and writing on paper and then posting it and just that and then being able to read a letter which you can hold physically in your hand you can feel the texture of it you can smell the paper you know it's just there's something about that I think we need to kind of reclaim a little bit because um Some, yeah, that's why I like writing in my journal because I just love the smell of the leather of the mm-hmm. journal. Like, just I'll actually just like, sometimes I hold my journal and just smell it because it smells so nice. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, it doesn't. It smells much better than a laptop, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's awesome. That's really, really awesome.
1: Yeah, I had a, a wake-up call when I, I think it was the election last year, and like we'd had like pamphlets coming through the post. And whatnot and i'd picked up one which had a little picture on it and i tried expanding the picture on the on this little piece of paper on this pamphlet and i was like what on earth <laughs> <Like> I, i'm <laughs> using my two fingers to draw draw apart this picture to try and see what to try and get it like zoom in on it i was thinking something's gone wrong here uh in our kind of <laughs> technology so wait
0: you got a bit of paper that you got in the post and started to
1: I, d- I did, James, I like, did,
0: yeah. Without... <laughs> <laughs> because just instinctively, because you were so used to...
1: So used to just looking at things on my phone.
0: Oh, my gosh, that's yeah. just mad. Yeah, oh, so... my word. <laughs> that's a story and a half. Oh and my then I was goodness. really annoyed because I couldn't zoom in, but... <laughs> that, <laughs> that is crazy. Oh my... That is mad, color, isn't it? Like... Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's funny because, I, yeah, I remember I watched a video um last year about these and they had they got these teenagers to they gave them like these old analog cassettes you yeah. know the ones they used to play like used to record off the radio and all that yeah. um and they didn't know what they were and they had to kind of figure out what they were and they were like put into their ear and they were trying to figure out where to plug in a head headphones and stuff and trying to figure out what and they couldn't figure out what it was I couldn't forget what it was, and it was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know. That doesn't even feel
1: that
0: long ago. No, it's only like twenty years ago that we had those. You know, mm. even ten years ago. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Scary. So, yeah, it is. <laughs> We're showing our age here. Um, I know. I was just thinking that it's a bit, a bit
1: shameful, isn't
0: it? <laughs> um, okay, so just like to to kind of finish. Um, what would be kind of. I've got two things like what would you kind of what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's maybe not highly sensitive, not an introvert about how to live with introverts and highly sensitive people and how to have healthy relationships and how to understand them better and then one bit of maybe as well one word of hope and encouragement or advice to people who are highly sensitive and who are introverted? So there's like two things there.
1: Yeah, good question. I have good question. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a funny one because i I do hear from uh, I do hear from kind of extrovert, non highly sensitive people asking similar questions to that. Like you know, I my partner is highly sensitive and I've read this stuff which seems to kind of talk about him or her perfectly like but what can I do to you know they're, they're usually questions that are like what can I do to like draw them out of their shell more or something like that I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> first thing is forget that way of thinking um give give them time you know and don't put pressure on kind of instant stuff. Like if some if you ask a question and you don't get an immediate answer, then that's okay. Um and don't don't take it personally if that stuff happens as well. It's not anything to do with you necessarily. It might be, but (laughs) you know, generally speaking, um just give it it's time to process um and space to to kind of explore what they're thinking, you know, whereas extroverts tend to think out loud, introverts like to think and formulate ideas and thoughts before we speak them, so we like to know what we think before we uh, kind of verbalise them, and uh, generally speaking, so if you put an introvert on the spot, um, then they might end up saying something that they then have a huge amount of shame or regret over and think oh, I wish I hadn't said that and you know that can cause a mm-hmm. headache for days afterwards in my experience um, and <laughs> go around saying i did t- you know that thing that I said that's totally not what I meant and uh, I'm really sorry that I said that um and yeah I think just realize that just because someone is quiet it doesn't mean that they are quiet inside and they don't have all sorts of amazing things going on within and dreams and hopes and mm. all sorts of things that they in time will open up to you about if you are the right person for them to open up to. Um, but don't demand those things. Like I, I don't know about you, but the one of the worst questions you can ask me is uh, what are you thinking? I hate that question. Not least because it's quite hard to articulate what I'm thinking a lot of the time, unless I've formulated the thought. But also, I'm like, oh, it's not really any of your business necessarily. <laughs> and so, mm. yeah, just those kinds of intrusive questions. Just be be careful with them. Um, and in terms of um, the second part of that question, which was a word of hope, wasn't it for uh, mm. yeah. encouragement? Yeah. Uh, just I guess be enjoy the fact that you're not alone and that there are people who completely get the way that you think that interact with the world in the same sorts of ways as you. And as we said earlier, you know, if you kind of interact with something, engage in a, like, like a piece of art in a particular way and people around you don't seem to resonate with that. There are people who will, um, there are people and you're, perspective your values are really really needed um in our world right now um and the world needs gentle rebels as well desperately um just because the the voices the things that sound the loudest are the loudest it doesn't mean they're right and they're they're pretty much not (laughs) generally speaking so Mm. yeah keep plugging away with a kind of gentler more empathetic um and sensitive way of interacting with the world
0: mm, I love that that's awesome <laughs> um, so where can people find you just
1: uh... uh, andy mortcom um, is the best place probably uh, from there you can yeah you can get to the haven from there you can listen to my music off the, the tabs at the top there as well so that's the, the kind of epicenter of stuff
0: awesome awesome great stuff um, thanks for coming on the show and um, definitely have you back again you know, I think there's more conversations we could have, probably. Oh, I uh, think <laughs> <yeah. you. laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, take care.